Stella made a beat, so it's go time. Welcome back to another edition of the Core 4 Podcast. The Core 4 is a podcast under SB Nation's Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network. You find it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And Grizzly Bear Blues is a blog under SB Nation. Find them on the web at grizzlybearblues.com or on Twitter at SBN Grizzlies. I'm your host, Parker Fleming. And with me today is none other than Nathan the Jester Chester. If you call me a jester, it's because you're a bona fide clown. I think the jesters and clowns are like pretty synonymous. You uh, know? A jester is kind of the next step below a clown. You move up from a when you think of a jester, you kind of think of a, a funny guy like me. So it's kind of a fitting or description. Or just a fool. A, a fool. A fool. But, a fool. But when you say, I might as well just call you Ronald McDonald next time because you're a clown. When you think of a clown, you, though, you're thinking of red hair. You're thinking of these goofy clown shoes and everything else. Okay, so is, so that's Justin with his red beard. <laughs> <laughs> What's an old clown? Clown. What's the what do you call Ronald McDonald? Ronald McDonald. Yeah, Justin's Ronald McDonald. We'll easy, go with that. Easy. Justin Lewis, our uh, 28 year old. Grizzly, 29. He's 29. 29 year old staff member for Grizzly Bear Blues. Um, should we tell everybody who's getting married to? Nah. Nah. Okay. Nah. <laughs> nah. nah. Anyways. 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 <laughs> so you know, a jester. A jester serves a king. Mm. There's only two kings that we go to. Any knowledge and praise. Well, who's the other one outside? Oh, uh, you know one. Uh, okay, you know one. Well, the one, one is our Lord and Savior, Savior Jesus yes. Christ, obviously. The but second the, one, but the other one, King Climbing. Who, 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 for for my church people out there, we don't worship, but we do serve the God King Climbing. King Climbing. King Climbing. And King yes. Climbing has made lots of moves. And honestly, we didn't want to drop a free agent pod last week towards any moves because one fourth of july week there's probably better way better stuff you'll have to do than listen to a podcast Two, i don't know it is us doesn't get much better i don't that. know you had the worst podcast voice in podcast history yeah i've heard a lot of different things from some of the deepest darkest recesses of grizz twitter over the last few days and what you got this morning is probably the best trolling that i think i have ever seen in my entire life i've never laughed harder than i ever had you want to you want to talk about what you got we don't have to i'm not putting you on the maybe spot. at the end of the pod maybe, okay end of the at pod. the end of the pod then. all right okay. but um <laughs> it gives people something to look forward to okay good. anyways so one fourth of july two you're in israel so like i was in israel for 10 days um i flew out for, i flew from memphis to newark new jersey and then newark to tel aviv and so i spent those 10 days in israel let me tell you man the most phenomenal trip of my entire life the um biblical sites all the history culture and heritage that is there and to be able to walk where christ walked and it doesn't really get any better than that at the end of the day and, and where omir caspi walked as well <laughs> I, I think our own jack newman noonan asked me if i was going to go find Aubrey caspi while i was in tel aviv and i told him i was more interested in finding and i don't remember his name right now off the top of my head but, but he's like a top five prospect next top, year. top five prospects mm-hmm. in 2020 nba draft which I found very interesting because I didn't find out that information until I was already in Israel. Mm-hmm. So, um, but this wasn't the most important part of the trip. But with the time difference, when Israel's eight hours ahead, so when it was ten o'clock my time, and I'm back in my hotel room in Jerusalem, that's prime woad bomb hours. So I, I couldn't go to sleep without all these incredible things happening on social media. I woke up to the um, Javon Carter, Josh Jackson trade. And it was just like, I woke up to the Andre Iguodala what, trade. Was it like Christmas? It was like Christmas morning every single day while I was in this. Or and that, the, and now, the morning, more like. <laughs> and, that, <laughs> and that was another thing too. It's just like, I would, like, let's say, so I know last week I was planning on dropping a pod talking about Jonas Valanciunas and Andre Iguodala. And that would have gone with Brandon Abraham. And that would have gone live Wednesday morning. And that would have not aged well because it was Chandler Parsons and Javon Carter trades. Yeah. 
So we might as well just wait until, you know, King Climbing was slowing down a little bit, you know? He's well, probably celebrating 4th of July right now. It was, <laughs> yeah, now. <laughs> it, it was so incredible, though, that by the end of the trip, when I woke up in the morning and I saw this was already after the Iguadala trade had happened. This was already, I think it was after the Parsons trade, wasn't it? Uh, was the, okay, no, the Parsons trade came first. But by the time the uh, Suns trade happened, I woke up in the morning and <laughs> Another day at the office for King Climbing. I didn't even get that excited about it. It became expected. Oh. Excellence was expected. Oh, I got pumped. Mm-hmm. I was so pumped. Anyways, so... Well, we obviously do have a lot to go over as far as all the offseason tons. moves that um, our Lord and Savior, King Climbing, has been making. Can we, can we not call him our Lord and Savior? Uh, okay. Can we just call him King Climbing? Okay, I, ju- I, it, just, I just said we only <laughs> worship one person. I know, but it just sounds fair, weird. Fair enough, not fair enough. saying Lord and Savior and not saying Jesus Christ right after it that's a very fair point um i apologize to all the um churches out there Mm -hmm. including my own okay yes and so there's a lot to cover lots of moves that are made and let's start with the first one Jonas Valanciunas signing there's really not much more to be said at this point we covered Valanciunas i think in probably two or three different podcasts um Generally, at the time, people were generally optimistic about the deal, saying it probably wasn't the best-case scenario for the Grizzlies. But three years, 45, uh, he'll, that contract will come off the books once Jaron Jackson is extension th- eligible. Yeah, is extension eligible. And so it's a reasonably good deal. And when you see that Nikola uh, Vujicic and Orlando got uh, – was it – He's getting paid twenty five million a year, mm-hmm. and then Deadman, Dwayne Deadman got three and forty one. Yeah, it, it, when you have those numbers in mind, it was a perfectly fine, acceptable deal. And a lot of people too are worried about it being a four year deal, mm-hmm. but I think with it being a three year deal as well with descending salary, so he's making sixteen million next year. So there's really not a drop off from opting out of his mm-hmm. seventeen million dollar player option. Yeah. So it's sixteen, fifteen, fourteen, mm-hmm. and that's ideal because. I know a lot of people were like, oh, we overpaid or whatever. I don't think people realize too, you gotta spend 90% of your cap. You do. You might as well spend, you might as well overpay a good player while your actual cornerstones are on rookie deals. Mm-hmm, exactly. Um, there's no one they're going to bring in probably in the next three years that's going to drastically tip the scales towards contention in the short term. Now, J- J- Jalen Brown will be a restricted free agent next Karis year. Levert, yeah, those Malik are Beasley. guys you can target that will help be foundation blocks for the next great Grizzlies team. But in the short term, you're right. There's absolutely nothing wrong with a contract like that. And... He won't drastically make our team better. He'll he'll make it better in the sense that they'll be competitive, but you've got a top 10 center on your team for the next three years. And I also wrote about this on Grizzly Bear Blues. It's like, they so Jaron, Brandon Clark, and Giannis Valanciunas, they all counteract each other's weaknesses. Hmm. Um, Jaron and Brandon Clark aren't good rebounders right now. Hmm. We can comfortably say that. I mean, I think... Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. had similar rebound percentages to who, like Frank Kaminsky. I forget Andrea the Mariani. I forget the exact stat, but I think um, it, it was, was, was like, Jaron Jackson and Brooke Lopez, and maybe one other were the only players in NBA history to play as many minutes as Jaron did last year and, and grab as many rebounds and be that height. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. And so, um, and I don't think. Brandon Clark could surprise me as far as rebounding goes, but I mean, he's not going to grab you nine or 10 rebounds a game. No. But Jonas Valanciunas can go out and grab you 10 or 11 rebounds a game. And I know people always say sample size with the with him and that he didn't do that in Toronto, but he also didn't have a more prolific role in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I mean, another big argument against him was empty stats or like good stats, bad team. I mean, he put, he, up, he, he put he, up good stats he, on a great team. Yeah, he, so like, he did, and the Grizzlies were not bad with him putting up the um, the 18 and 10. They were, put, they were a 500 team. They were a 500 basketball team. He was putting up good they numbers had, when they on had a Conley, solid competitive basketball team. When they had Conley and Valanciunas, they were a 500 mm-hmm. team. And, and the thing is, this contract being as reasonable as it is, 
whether it's this year, the year after that. Um, Summer League, obviously, you can't tell a whole lot by it, but I have been very encouraged by what I've seen from Brandon Clark. I think he's farther ahead than some people might have thought before Summer League. Mm -hmm. Also, the interviews of Jaron Jackson, he is noticeably more buff than Uh he was. Just seeing him sit in a T-shirt and long pants in an interview on ESPN, he is noticeably stronger. So maybe with the strides he's made in the weight room and Clark being as far farther ahead than people may have thought, if you really start to think that Jonas, Jonas Valanciunas won't be a part of your future plans, you can move him. Yeah. It's a very reasonable deal. And it's also one of those things, too, where it's not even just Jonas' strength countering their weaknesses. So everybody says Jonas Valanciunas is a bad defender, but I think that's a kind of overblown to an the, extent. Analytically, that's not what's indicated at all. No. It's not. It's more – It's a. it's – a truth that's more rooted in narrative than it actually is in reality. It's one of those things, it's a narrative because he's an old school center. Yeah. They think, oh, just because he's a bat to a basket center that's not going to space the floor, he's automatically a bat defender. I would be willing to say that Marcus Gasol, being more willing to take three-pointers is since uh, 2016, 2017. I'd be willing to argue that it's probably helped his reputation on the defensive end because, like you said, he doesn't have that reputation as just a true old-school center. Mm-hmm. And, frankly, I think his reputation as a defender is a little bit overblown, whether it was in Memphis or in Toronto. Mm-hmm. He was great at the beginning of this year, but as the year went along, he yeah. started to trail off a little bit. Yeah, and so Clark and Jaron Jackson both project as elite rim protectors that can also switch in the pick and roll very well mm-hmm. and so that's a kind of a they, so Jonas can kind of worry about you know taking the bigger bodies the Jokic's the yeah. Nurkic when he gets healthy in his canters those Joel Embiid's those kind of people but if somebody starts driving and Jonas has to go and help he also gets weak side help from Jaron or Brandon Clark. And people were so focused on his perceived deficiencies on the defensive end, which we both agree are overblown, thinking how will Valanciunas guard stretch fives like Brooke Lopez, um, how we handle being targeted in the pick and roll when it comes to truly crunch time situations and games that actually matter. And my question for people who had those concerns is, how are they going to stop Valanciunas on the other end? Exactly. How many bruising, skilled centers he like dropped, him are left? He dropped 27 and 15 on Rudy Gobert. Gobert could, I watched the game. Gobert could not stop him. He could not stop him. And he took him out to the mid-range. He was hitting jumpers on him. And he can occasionally step out and hit threes, yeah. too. So people are people you, are looking for negatives because people got hyped up about Valanciunas. That's all it is. Yeah, that's pretty much what it comes down to. You see the casual fans like him, and the casual fans have to be wrong. Uh, yeah. That, that's pretty much what it comes down to. And guess what? To. I mean, we're not necessarily casual fans, but we like him. We think yeah. he's a good basketball mm-hmm. player for and sure. I'd be willing to go so far as to say um, – it, Joe Millerlax, he's absolutely convinced that Valanciunas will not be able to play uh, meaningful playoff minutes whether the Grizzlies make the playoffs in two years or three years that he's still on the team. And I think that's still an overblown view I think of his deficiencies right there. Yeah, and I think it's one of those things, too, where you're probably making the playoffs because Valanciunas is your third or fourth best player. Maybe you can't use him quite as much in the playoffs. But, um, but you need guys, when the game slows down in the playoffs, you need guys who could score one-on-one in the half-court situations, mm-hmm. and he could do that for you. I had a Toronto guy tell me that a lot of playoff series... He was their best player. He was their best player. Uh, and that's ahead of DeRozan, ahead of Lowry. Mm-hmm. Granted, we... You, we, there's jokes now, about th- the that playoffs. wasn't a super hot bar to clear, granted, considering how they played in the playoffs. But at the end of the day, this old school bruising center stepped up, and when the yeah. game slowed down, he can get you a bucket uh-huh. in the half court. So, and no one figured that out better than the Utah Jazz, who had plenty of wing defenders, even had one dominant wing scorer. But when guys are so loaded up, like they will be on John Morant, and Jaron Jackson, you need someone else in your team that can go get you a bucket in crunch time. Mm-hmm. Utah found that guy Mike Conley this offseason. And Bohan Bogdanovich. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so King Kleiman, good job. Good job. Tunis. Next up, Andre Iguodala. There's not much <laughs> to say about this trade. Uh, it's, a, it's a home run. It's a home Memphis. run. Uh, the, the funny th- the thing I want to talk about is the ridiculous. <laughs> I saw a tweet earlier today. Hold on, can we was- talk about the pick real quick? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Think about this. The pick protections are laid out to where it's top four in 2024. Or no, top three 
three or four, it doesn't matter, top three or four in 2024, top one protected in 2025, unprotected 2026. The Warriors in all likelihood will be bad in 2026. One and done rule will likely be gone. So, I mean, that that's another part of it. Steph will be 36, yeah. Raymond will be 34, and Clay will be 34. Mm. And we have seen where all the comments come out where they might trade D'Angelo Russell sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. I think that just more than solidifies how great that pick will be because... yeah. Which which is another thing, uh, uh, an unrelated discussion, but Brooklyn really did not do right by D'Angelo Russell. They sent him to a situation where he'll likely be moved again for the trade deadline for more depth instead of putting him in a place where he could have his own home, whether that's Minnesota or whatever. But that's a separate discussion yeah. entirely. One, one more separate discussion. Mm-hmm. Can you think of a young player, a player in NBA history – Better than D'Angelo Russell that bounced around this often early in his career. Like <laughs> it's such, an and it wasn't even one of those yeah. things where like he bloomed late. Like he was actually good. He's been good from day one. I, I mean, good for a rookie point guard. It's over from, from, from day one. Yeah. The Lakers situation. But I honestly don't think any other GM in the league would have handled it the way it is. Magic Johnson is a freaking weird human being. He is a freaking weird yep. human being. That's another discussion. This is, uh, there are plenty of things that can be said to that, but giving up on Russell, if you don't see him and Lonzo could have been perfectly fine together, could have played perfectly well with each other. Lonzo covers up for D'Angelo's defensive deficiencies. Um D'Angelo covers up for Lonzo's lack of shooting and scoring punch. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to go out and claim that Russell is not a leader, he cannot effectively lead because he accidentally, inadvertently exposed the infidelity of one of his teammates, which I still find weird that more people were angry that Russell accidentally exposed it than Nick Young for actually yeah, cheating good- on someone who's a lot more attractive than he is, by the way. Yeah. But um, to completely give up on a guy and you give that as the reason, that's weird to me. Mm. That was weird. The Brooklyn thing is just another victim of circumstance. And I'm going to be completely bluntly honest. In Brooklyn, there were reports from Woj that basically gave the same mindset that if Kevin Durant wasn't coming, Brooklyn was a little iffy on picking up Kyrie Irving just by Mm -hmm. himself. Because like we've talked about before, look what he did to a young core in Boston. Basically splintered them apart. Whether that was entirely his fault or not, we don't really know. But he definitely played a role in that. So, to me, me, I think Kyrie is phenomenal. He's excellent. And he was transcendent on the last three games of the world's biggest stage in 2016. But are you really going to give up on Russell, who was he 23 this past year? Yeah. He was 23 this past year, who was already a top 10 point guard, who already led you to the playoffs. And you're so quick to give up on that, to bring in a guy who's already splintered one young core. I don't know. He's dealt with a lot in his Mm -hmm. first few years in the NBA. Yeah. And see, you're going to like this. So, Bob Myers, that's the name, right? Bob or Rob? Bob. Bob Myers is doing his best Chris Wallace impersonation and trying to hang on to something too long. That's exactly With Steph, Clay, and Dre. And I think trading D'Angelo will be the demise of that franchise. Interesting. It'll depend on what the return is, and honestly I'll have to wait closer to the deadline to even know what that return or who would even be interested. Mm. If it's, But if it's a team like Minnesota, you're not getting Jarrett Culver. Yeah. I mean, you'll probably be getting, in all honesty, you're probably getting Wiggins, Covington and two first-round picks. Yeah, that's probably about right. Which, if, if even multiple first-round picks, that's far from a given. Um... But yeah, that's the situation that they're looking at. Yeah, and so that's why I think that one pick is going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. It probably will and be. And that was the real part of the trade, is just mm-hmm. getting that extra pick. Mm-hmm. And that leads us to the non-essential part of the deal, which is Andre Iguodala himself. And there are multiple ways to look at this. You can think he can be a veteran leader. And so with Iguodala, I mean, he's not going to be a Grizzly. He would have been a great veteran leader, but he's not going to be a Grizzly. Yeah, it's, it's pretty obvious that's the case from all the whispers so, and rumbles that come from his camp and his people. The question here is trade or buyout. There's ultimately it, trade or buyout. I, I would probably just say trade because if that Dallas trade was a possibility, you get Courtney Lee at a second-round pick. 
that's nothing to write home about. It is what it is, but it's another asset. Plus, you get a solid veteran rotation piece in Courtney Lee should you decide to keep him. And um, it's all gravy at this point. Like you said, the first round pick was the important part of the deal. And you don't want to risk uh, risking your reputation in NBA circles and pissing off a guy who's very media savvy, who's very well respected in the league and in the Players Association. That being said, all the Laker fans, the Clipper fans say, free Iguodala, he's the final piece to our championship team. There was one tweet, and it was not mean or anything like that, but it was just very nice, said, the Grizzlies need to free Iguodala. He'll be the final piece to our championship team, exclamation point. Why are we obligated to help you out? Yeah. You you just, and Joe wrote a whole article about this, but do you think the small markets just exist to help you with your championship aspirations? No. I don't give a damn about what Frankly, you want. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. <laughs> I don't give a damn yeah. about your championship aspirations. I See, don't, not in the slightest. The Lakers don't have anything left to trade. They don't. You can't even trade them into space either because they used it all. I, I don't, yeah. I, I mean, I'd have to go through their contracts to see what could possibly even match up with it. it honestly, I don't think there is anything off the top of my head because uh, – I don't even really know what could match it off the top of the head, top of my head, because you got LeBron James and Anthony Davis on two big deals, and then uh, Rondo is on a small, uh, small two-year deal. Cousins took the minimum. They have a bunch of guys on the minimum. Mm-hmm. There are very few mid-level deals that you could possibly work with for a Nick Wadala trade. Yeah, and so the only trade, if anything, to help, quote unquote, help one of those teams, is. Um, I would trade with the Clippers because I think you can get Mo Harkless and maybe Jerome Robinson out of them. Yeah. Other than that, I mean... There's hardly anything. Actually, actually, what I would do is I would monitor that Westbrook situation very well. Mm. Houston. Houston wants that three team mm -hmm. trade. Honestly, I would take Roberson and... Maybe the Clippers are like, fine, we'll give up one of our first round picks from the Clippers. Just take Roberson... And you give Houston Iguodala on that trade. I'll, that's the only thing I can see making sense. The the Dallas trade uh, lead a second round pick. I hate it. It you you hate it. Yeah. Uh, honestly, if we're being completely real, I would rather just buy him out because it's just another way to roster crunch. Yeah, which is something this team needs to do. You're you're also asking yourself the question: Is getting another second round pick worth pissing someone pissing someone off and other people around the league? It's it's it's. I, I don't care about what the Lakers and Clippers think about it, but it is a certain level of. Now, if they it, think really, they can get really a first round it? pick, yeah, go for it. Oh, absolutely, one hundred percent. But if it's just a second round pick mm-hmm. and a, another bad contract, just buy them out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so uh, let's take a quick ad break, but we got some exciting topics on the other side. Mm-hmm. Back. All right, Chandler Parsons. Rest in peace. He's gone. Farewell, my sweet prince. Farewell. To quote Joe Mullinax, farewell, my sweet Instagram prince. (laughs) I, too, that you, so Grizzlies Nation and the people of Memphis, you know who they had to thank for this? Who? Me. They had me (laughs) to thank for this. Because two days before this trade happened, I wrote, the title of my article was Chandler Parsons has one more role to play in Memphis. And I wrote about how he could be a good veteran leader for the young core, the new young core of the Memphis Grizzlies. Because outside of a couple comments when he got booed in the first half of a game in his second season in Memphis, he and whatever the situation, I blame Chris Wallace more for it than I do Chandler Parsons. Uh, where he basically went AWOL for <laughs> a couple months. But for the most part, he's generally been a very professional on the court member of the Memphis Grizzlies. Honestly, he's been professional in the locker room and off the court in front of the media as well. I mean, just think, you get sent home and then you come back and you have to deal with the medias and why? Yeah. And, like, he was willing, and he was willing to do that because yeah. he wants to play basketball. And also, from everybody I've talked to and over the past few years of seen, just observing locker room dynamics within doing like game coverage and stuff like that 
everybody liked Chandler. Yeah, there was. It, that's the one thing that was super weird is there was always this disdain towards him. They think he just was it, tearing, distraction and tearing, tearing the, the lock, locker room apart, and that was never the case. What's it was Mark's moodiness. Yeah, but, yeah, and that's a separate discussion. Separate right. discussion, but but um, it was hilarious too. Yeah, is that people come at me because it's like so. Saying Anthony Sane had this tweet where it was like, name your five favorite non-core four players. And I said Chandler Parsons, and some dude was like, dude, get out of here. I'm like, it's my own list, an opinionated <laughs> list. He couldn't have at least just said that you were white, and that's the reason why you said you liked him. He didn't at least say that. Well, I did have that column that I had on uh, last week where basically I gave him the – I gave Chandler the farewell that – I just wanted to get because I, honestly, in retrospect, probably wasn't the best look for me to write what I did, and then you, with you being you, writing your farewell post about Chandler Parsons. What you mean? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, but no. Here's the thing, though. I actually had like he was very nice. And oh yeah. I, I, I even said in there that was my first off-record conversation with an NBA player. Look, look, yeah. Just imagine an NBA player coming up to you, shaking your hand and saying, hi, I'm Chandler. As in you all like thinking that like, oh, let me just introduce myself because this is what I would do to a norm, like a normal mm-hmm. person. I want somebody I haven't met before who may look a little bit out of place to feel welcome. Exactly. Yeah, and just think I'm in there. And is that a man thing? So I probably look more like a man counselor than a media member. I'm in there with Chris Wallace, Chris, not Chris Wallace, Mike Wallace, Chris Harrington, Peter Edmondson, Jeff Calkins, all these prominent media members. I'm definitely out of place. Yeah. And he, and also I was wearing an Ole Miss polo. He asked me about Oxford mm-hmm. and like from everything I've seen, also people I've talked to, like. It, it, here's what it comes down to. Uh, people. People despise the decisions he made and the way he lived his life off the court. And if he had ended up being what everyone thought he was going to be when he came to Memphis, and he plays a pivotal role on a couple of Grizzly playoff teams, his little off-court ventures, the Instagram models, that would be the stuff of legend. It would be. But because... He would have been a Manziel. Exactly. The people would speak in hushed whispers and all of these crazy stories that would be told about him. But because his career took the tra- uh, trajectory that it has and his knees had failed him, he gets mocked and ridiculed for it. And I think it's just kind of trash to just like trash a player that... Hmm. It, his it, circuit, like his body betrayed him. Like yeah, that's all it is. Yeah, and I don't agree. It's not something I would do, and I don't agree with the life decision to go get out in a boat with a bunch of Instagram models, film them twerking, and put it on my Instagram story. That's not something I do. It's not exactly a life decision that I'd agree with. But people shouldn't be sitting in judgment of him for it when really the only reason they're doing it is because his career failed him. His needs failed him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so about the trade aspect of it. Everything about trading Chandler Parsons, we always thought there would have to be an asset attached. Yeah. Even when his, even coming into the summer when his contract's technically going to be an expiring one, you always thought there would be an asset attached to it. I almost had a freaking heart attack when the front office was considering the idea of trading the four pick to get off the Chandler Parsons deal. Uh, honestly, when I saw that, I was never particularly worried or concerned because with all with, get- with all the media hype, with all the fan hype, I thought, well, first of all, Chris Wallace literally does not have the balls to do this. With, with all the fan hype and media hype that was going around. And I'm not being that in a disrespectful way. I truly don't think he was ever really considering that. I don't think that was ever like... I think that came from kind of some questionable sources in the first place, like NBA draft God and some other areas, some whispers Still to the grapevine. Just uh, like considering past draft history, it was scary. Yeah, it, it was. Um, because that Chandler Parsons contract became an albatross. Well, well so. it, I understand you want to get off of that contract, but people know for small markets like Memphis that the draft is really the only way you're going to be able to find and build superstar talent. Um, yeah, you free up uh, cap space by getting off a of Chandler Parsons contract by attaching the fourth pick, but who were they going to get in free agency that could possibly end up having the impact of a Jaron Jackson or a John Morant a few years down the line? Mm-hmm. What, superstar, what all-star caliber player are you going to bring in for that? 
Now, trading the fourth pick for Bradley Beal or possibly even Kawhi Leonard, I don't really know if that was ever a possibility or not. I don't think it was. I I don't think it was either. Um, That's not something I agreed with, but it was a reasonable position to have. Mm -hmm. Um, I could understand. uh, The fans love Mike Conley and Marcus Saul. They want to maximize that window. Go bring in Bradley Beal and go be as competitive as you possibly could be. I think that's extremely short-sighted and would ultimately tank the franchise in the long term. And I'm glad they didn't do it. But like yeah. I said, reasonable position to have. Yeah. And so with that, the actual trade, with um, in the end, yes, I think the major win was trading him without attaching an asset. You got back two players that equal his salary. I think they actually had a little more salary combined. Equally as un, uh, unproductive. Um, I mean, and then also it's just like adding another player to the roster where you have to roster crunch anyways. I mean, I like the deal just because you didn't have to attach an asset to him. My favorite part of the deal, honestly, is Miles Plumley. <laughs> no, no, like the thing is, the thing is with him. If Jonas goes down, you're immediately throwing Jaron to the Wolves playing with the five. You can at least throw Plumley in there for the first six minutes of each half. Maybe so. I think Jaron would still soak up most of the minutes yeah. at five. If that were the case, I question the impact of that. He's more uh, just insurance. Yeah, yeah. But the, my favorite part about it is there are now three members of the 2015 National Championship Duke team. Uh, your boy, Grayson Allen, being one of them. Tyus Jones, Grayson Allen, and Miles Plumley. But at the end of the day, people are going to celebrate because, yay, Chandler Parsons is gone. Chandler Parsons Independence Day, like you said in your post. Yeah, he was really... I didn't, I didn't say Chandler Parsons Independence Day. I thought you said, like... Uh, oh, I, I said probably, someone else did. Oh, uh, okay. That's fair. Okay. Um, but at the end of the day, I would, it's kind of just a lateral move for the most part, unless... I don't think you can get a, even a second round pick from Solomon Hill or Miles Plumley. You're buying one of them out, and that's basically why you made the trade. Is because it's going to be cheaper buying one of them out yeah. than it would have been buying Chandler out. Yeah, but and then you would just keep one, and I think Plumley makes the most sense yeah. to keep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess it just didn't move me as much because this was going to be the final year of the deal, and you yeah. could and you could have just eaten it and let that be the end of it. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. And it's like the, those two guys are unproductive based off skill. Mm-hmm. Chandler's just unproductive so, because of injury. Yeah. So when I saw people saying things like, "Yay, we finally rid of Chandler Parsons," I don't know how we moved that contract. Well, just know that contract was a lot easier to move going into the final year than it would have been either of the last two summers. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to skip. The Javon trade real quick because okay. that one's gonna have more conversation. We traded for Dwight Howard and we're we're just probably gonna wave him. So yeah, whatever. Wait, man. money saving move. Way yeah. to go, team. So, uh, that's we can literally just move on. <laughs> that's yeah. all there is. Exactly. To say exactly. That's all. Money saving. That's literally all. Exactly. So um, um, the, the move they made, which was eventually Tyus Jones and the Avery Bradley waving, also oh, played, yeah. played a role in that, but. Um, Shout out to Avery Bradley going yeah. to Lakers. Lake mm-hmm. show. But yeah, Dwight Howard will not even be in training camp for Memphis, rest assured. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but the big trade, it big, it, the thing is, it's big because it's just everything's an enigma about it. For one, the fact that you're able to trade Javon Carter and Kyle Corver for DeAnthony Melton, who's a who could have been a first round pick if he actually would have played at USC. His, yeah. Uh, freshman year, I think. Yeah, freshman year. Mm-hmm. Freshman or sophomore, it doesn't matter. You yeah, still got D'Anthony right, Melton. Yeah, freshman year. Still got D'Anthony Melton out of it. Mm-hmm. The number four pick from two years ago with Josh Jackson, who honestly, he's just he's not really that bad of a basketball player. He's just a, he's just with the Suns. It, it's, no offense it's, to Katie, but she he's just with the Suns. We, we've made fun of the Suns enough. There's nothing more to be said. Yeah, um, and then they got two second round picks out of it. That's it. Uh, yeah. They're going to be in the 30s. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Josh Jackson, the Suns are a terrible team, and you know, you talk about good stats, and they're not even that good, but you can't discount the fact that he's been a double-digit scorer the last two years. And he's improved his shooting numbers every year. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing, there are people who are calling the Grizzlies shouldn't um, opt into his team option and give him $9 million this coming year. He gets into training camp and he just shows no signs of work ethic, which is not something that you ever heard about him in Phoenix. I don't think his problem ever was that he didn't work hard. He had plenty of off-court issues, which is a major problem, granted. Um, but if he gets into training camp and he's just a total nutcase, you can decide, okay, we're not going to opt into this year. We'll just cut him and wave him. You still get DeAnthony Melton in two second-round picks. Or trade him for a second-round um, 
But I think you can still trade him for a second round pick or if, two. Yeah. Just uh, because of his name. And, like, I think he still has value. He could have been the number one pick two years ago. Yeah. He, he was in consideration for that. Jackson is young. He's probably 21, 22 now. Mm-hmm. Um, he's obviously got some disturbing allegations against him, no doubt. Um, Supposed, allegedly, um, got his daughter high on marijuana, his baby daughter, when she was over with him one night. Um, he didn't show up to team events, which you can think of that what you will. If I played for the Phoenix Suns, I probably wouldn't show up to a whole lot of team yeah. events either. It's also a weird uh, thing, but, too, because apparently a lot of the media members over at Phoenix were like, yeah, he was always very pleasant to deal with he was very accommodating like he always he couldn't he find was, his place there it, because of that organization there was no structure he's not played with an NBA point guard yet he has not played with an NBA caliber point guard get him with John Morant and Tyus Jones yeah mm-hmm. and so he, he's been playing some point guard for the Phoenix Suns He's not a primary playmaker. He never will be a primary playmaker. And they were trying to force him to be. And frankly, it's no different than the Grizzlies trying to play O.J. Mayo at point guard. For, mm. <laughs> that was ugly and disastrous. Well, that was just mm. – that was more of an agenda thing. Yeah. But. yeah. Um, so, yeah, De'Anthony Belton ultimately going to be a third-string point guard. But it could be one of those – it reminds me a lot – DeLon. No. I was going to say DeLon. Yes. I was actually going to say the Toronto situation mm-hmm. to where they had Lowry, Van Fleet, DeLon. Yeah. To where, like, they just had three good guards to play at all times. Yeah. And Melton can't slide up and play two. And in mm-hmm. some, if you're trying to be a little cute, you can play him at three mm-hmm. and do a three-yard lineup. Yeah. He's got the length and wingspan to be able to do it. Um, I am perfectly – I loved having Jackson in this trade. I really did. Um, I believe in second chances. I believe in the chance to be able to grow. And the people... Thunder agreed to trade Russell Westbrook to the Rockets for Chris Paul and future draft picks. I called it! I called it two days ago, did I not? I put it in the group... I I put it in the group text. I said Chris Paul and two first-round picks. Is that what it is? I'll even say Nate called it. Yeah, Yeah, you... Quote me. Quote me. Yep. That, but that's fantastic. We can we can put that at the end. But I don't yeah. want to talk. About, that's that's us talking about it. Yeah, yeah. There's too much to talk about with the Grizzlies. Uh, okay. But damn. That's quite the move. You like my little horn with it? Like. I, I want to go. Ah, you forgot the pick swaps, idiot. <laughs> two. I but it's still two whoa. first round picks. Whoa, 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 whoa. What? Twenty twenty four and twenty twenty six. Oh, Westbrook and Harden. That, uh, that's going to be a really good draft pick. The thing. Thunder won that trade. Oh, big time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Russell let's, Westbrook let's, and James Harden are going to have a fist fight in that locker room. before this they, At least they've already played together. Oh, you know what's the best part of this all? You remember the big MVP debate two years ago between James Harden and Russell Westbrook? Twitter is about to move 50 times faster because all the Rockets fans are about to have to go delete their old Westbrook tweets. <laughs> Facts. And so, oh my um, back wow. to the Grizzlies' famous number three. Um, Do you know what? The Grizzlies, they traded their own number three for a number zero yeah. with Javon Carter and DeAnthony Melton. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, wow, that just kind of ruined the talk. Yes. We, you know, I, I, I'm just so blown away. It's tough to get back on schedule. But King climbing. It, That's all it is. King, King climbing. Actually, let's take another quick ad break real quick. All right. Whoa. Okay. That wow. took that took us by surprise. That, that really got me off. Ooh, wow. Okay. I, I called that two days ago. I, I know. I'm, t- I'm and I saw no tweets. I saw no reports. I just thought to myself, the money would match Chris Paul and two first round picks. Mm-hmm. Not saying I'd absolutely do it, but makes sense for both sides to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so let. Let's talk about our own swap of point guards, and that's DeLon Wright and Tyus Jones. Way more important than Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook. Two declining assets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sorry, sorry, had to. But so with the DeLon Wright trade, I'm not going to dive much into it as far as just like he wanted to be in Dallas where he would probably start. And instead of letting him walk away for nothing, because he was thought to be the centerpiece of that. Gasol trade whether or not he was the actual best player in there or not and they got two second round picks from from honestly a team I don't think is going to be that good 
Oh, Dallas is not going to make the playoffs next year. In fact, they may not even sniff the playoffs. I think uh, you don't know what Porzingis will look like coming off of the injury, and they just don't have much surrounding Luka and Porzingis. You get the line right, who that might be, be their third best player. Yeah, that's not good. <laughs> it's him, Tim Hardaway Jr., Dwight Powell, and Jalen Brunson. Yeah. How many players on the Grizzlies do you think could be the third best player on this Mavericks team? Would you throw Ja in there? I mean, technically, you said Ja. I think Ja. I think Ja will average eighteen and eight this year. I'd say that's worth being the third best player on that Dallas team. Jaron Ja, Jonas. Depending on how his rookie season goes, maybe even Clark. Clark. Yeah, that's four. Yeah. Um, Kyle Um, Anderson. Tyus. Tyus at six. Yeah, that's six players. That roster is not going to be making the play. Even I, I even could, if I Luka, could be a little cute and say Dylan Brooks. Yeah, that's cute. <laughs> uh, but you gonna say Grayson Allen next? I nah, bet. I'm actually not. I, I think uh, Jalen Brunson's pretty good. Yeah, I think Jalen Brunson's better than both yeah. Brooks and Allen. Um, but yeah, that Dallas team has no chance of making the playoffs. Just so no, no way. Even if Luca takes a big jump and is averaging twenty-seven, seven and seven this coming year, which is not out of the realm of possibility, because he may have to. He may, yeah. He may. That, he just not, may have that, to. That's not going to happen. So, um, yeah, just one of those things. King Climbing striking again and getting assets for a guy that was wanting to walk out. So. Yeah, and you bring in a guy who wants to be here, and that's next on the agenda, the T- uh, the Tyus Jones <coughs> Tyus- Jones signing yeah. from Minnesota, which there's been a lot of confusion over what that contract exactly was between three years, $24 million, and three years, $29 million. But the way the descending structure and all the incentives, essentially if the Grizzlies win 33 games each year for the next three seasons, the incentive in his contract will allow him to make $29 million, but really it's just a three-year $24 million deal, which right. is phenomenal value when you consider in the sign and trade for DeLon Wright. The Grizzlies get a comparable player in Tyus Jones. Better. It's better for the Grizzlies in Tyus Jones. Yeah. Two second-round picks, a little bit of extra money. That was the right move to make, the exactly. right direction to go into. My, I think my one of my favorite things about Tyus Jones is – his ability to distribute and take care of the basketball because we've never had a point guard with this much, I would say, discipline with the ball. I mean, his assist to turnover ratio is ranks among some of the best all time. It was like a little under seven as a six man or as a as a guy that came off the bench, it was a little under a little under seven. But I think Peter Edmondson put this in his article on The Athletic where his assist-to-turnover ratio was even better as a starter. It was yeah. like, like over seven. It, it went up when the That's crazy. And so to, and play think, de- to play devil's advocate here, I was reading one Minnesota beat writer, and he said a critique of that is the fact that he's overtly careful when he has the ball in his hands, that with the minutes and opportunities that he had last year, he should have probably have averaged more assists and more turnovers. He was always looking to make the right play. He would hardly ever go strike, uh, right to the rim. He relied on floaters and pull-up jump shots, and he was too careful with the ball. But I'd be willing to say that even if, that's, if that critique has some validity to it, the Grizzlies need a more careful, steady hand playing point guard when you also have Ja, who a critique about him is he's looking to make a home run on every single possession. Right. Looking to throw the ball into tight spaces, looking to make the huge highlight play on every single possession. It's a good counter to that. A good balance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I know people are going to say stuff about his shooting percentages because they weren't that good last year, but let's think about this. You had the Jimmy Butler fiasco. Yeah. That destroyed the team for a little bit. You had a coaching change mid-year. So, and also, those two had very differing styles of offense. Thibodeau's more of defense first. His shooting numbers, I can almost guarantee you. He shot 42% and 32% from three. I can almost guarantee you both of those numbers will be better this year. I think those yeah. numbers were better throughout his career. I think it was like yeah. 45 and 35. Yeah, yeah, which is perfectly fine. And it's, uh, frankly, you can pinpoint, uh, nitpick whatever numbers from what year you want to, but shooting-wise, I'd rather have Tyus than DeLon. Yeah, yeah. and because like, DeLon wasn't that good of a shooter either. Yeah. It's one of those things, too, where in that offense, I would rather 
And the offense that Jenkins is trying to have, I'd rather have Tyus Jones. The only thing that I miss with the line that you won't be able to have to the same degree with Tyus, and there were reports that said the Grizzlies intend to play both of them together, which you'll be able to because you it's good to have multiple lead ball handlers on the court for different stretches of a game. But defensively, John Tyus to get in. Tyus is a solid defender for his size. He's got stickies. He can get steals. Yeah. He's a solid defender. The line can play the two or even three in a smaller lineup, which is not something that Tyus mm-hmm. can do. That's the only thing you'll be missing. It's something I liked a lot about the line going forward with Ja, but you could still play Ja and, and uh, Tyus together. Yeah, and the thing is, so um, playing devil's advocate to your devil's advocate here. We just watched Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Fleet win a finals. That's true. And it's not even the fact that they played against a depleted Warriors team. They were doing that against Milwaukee and Philadelphia as well. But as my devil's advocate to your devil's advocate of my devil's advocate, both Fred Van Fleet and Kyle Lowry are both excellent defenders, which is not something that Ja is. And they're both better defenders than Tyus Jones. I think Ja's still an enigma on the defensive end because I think he also had to take off a lot defensively because yeah. he had such an offensive load. I think it's his body that's a little bit of the concern. And he'll be in an NBA weight room where he can get stronger, but he's also got a little bit of a wiry frame that makes you wonder about how much muscle he can put on. Have you seen a pic of him the summer before his freshman year at Murray State? Nah. He looks like a local high school kid. Like His arms were toothpicks. He's grown a lot in two years. Mm. I can see why it was absolutely absurd to many people when Murray State's coach said he'll be a lottery pick in two years. People said, that kid? That mm. little toothpick over there? Yeah. And he was and right. He was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, from what it sounds like, we love all these moves. Mm-hmm. We love all of them. King Clemens done it again. And it closes us out. Do you just want to spew some hot takes on what you think are, is going to happen this offseason, the rest of this offseason? What's one hot take you have? For, the, for Memphis in particular? Mm hmm. There's, there's not many more moves to be made. Um, I, I think. Um, Iguodala will end up being traded. Mm-hmm. I think he'll end up being traded. I think the Dallas move may be the most likely one. Yeah, that's pretty good. The Dallas reporters seem they're legitimate rumblings, not whispers. So I think they've had the actual discussions between the two franchises about it. Yes, but do you remember also? Did you see what I sent last night? Well, that same reporter that reported. Iguodala and Lee in the two picks. He also said that last year the Grizzlies and Mavericks were talking about sending Chandler Parsons in the fourth pick for Wes Matthews and Dwight Powell. I remember seeing that at the gym and being absolutely triggered. Yeah, slight plug. I go to the gym. But, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah you, but, were you doing biceps when you saw it too? Yeah. Uh, no. I don't know. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Anyways. Location didn't matter either. <laughs> it's a low blow. Um, I don't know what my hot take is going to be. I guess my hot take is more. See, we could have done a Westbrook take if we had done this pod 30 minutes earlier. You know, I would have said that the Grizzlies were going to hop in on a three-team trade. That would have been my hot take. Well, the the two teams that were involved in that possible three-team trade were in there. They just didn't need a third team. That's so crazy. Uh, But the Thunder are just as well set up for the future as the Pelicans now, except um, they don't have Zion. They're going to get Wiseman next year anyways. If everything goes according to plan. <laughs> oh, I got my hot take. It, it lines up with yours. The Grizzlies will trade Iguodala for a first-round pick. Where to? It doesn't matter where to. <laughs> Put <laughs> you on the spot there. <laughs> it does not matter, actually. Uh, see, see, the Houston thing, the Houston Thunder was a potential three-team deal where you could have ended up with a first-round pick, I thought. But... Um, It'll be tough to figure out where, who else would be willing to send a first. Um, Actually, with this Westbrook news now, I'm just going to change it up. I'm going to be boring. Iguodala gets bought out boo. because he makes a big media ruckus and says, I want out. Get me out of here. <laughs> and the Grizzlies front office could tell him, to, you know what? King climbing. He, he, he can't climb and tell him to go, you know, go sit at home, get all tidy and comfortable, and we'll deal with you when the time comes. <laughs> 
We'll even let you go stay out in L.A. and practice with the Lakers. You can't put on their jersey. You can't be on the roster. But, you know, go help build that championship team over in L.A. Just like they all want you to. Yeah, he just wants to team up with the aging Andrew Wiggins with the receding hairline and Hakeem Warwick with the unibrow. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. I know. I know. Right. <laughs> plug your st- stuff in. <laughs> oh, but uh, one more thing. Uh, I think the Clippers would be a better option than the Lakers because Iguodala actually fits a need for the Clippers. They really don't have any primary playmakers, creators. Give me Mo Harkless and Jerome Robinson. So, Matt, Matt Moore, um, I think he was the one. I thought this is a really good way to put it. He said earlier today they have about 10 tips of the spear, but no one to hold the spear, which is good. That's deep. But anyway, I'm Nathan Chester. You can follow me on Twitter at Big Nate Chester. And you can find all my Grizzlies-related content at grizzlybearblues.com. And you can listen to me on the Core 4 podcast. And I apparently have the worst voice in the history of podcasts. Now, Parker, you said you're going to hold it off to the end of the show. And you thought you were going to escape. Ironically enough, look at the percent of my battery. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, anyways, so in my plugs, so you can find me on Twitter at Paca underscore Flocka. And according to some Twitter troll, I have the reason why I support Dylan Brooks and his um, off-court activities is because I have STDs. Can can I read this tweet? You can read the tweet. Well, make sure you, we're a family podcast. I don't want you saying, don't say the F word. Oh, well, was the F word in it? Yeah. Oh, it was? Like two or three times. Okay, yeah. I would never say such a thing on this podcast, of course. I don't even think I've ever heard you say it ever. No, I I don't say the F word. That's not your vocabulary. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm a good youth pastor. You know what? While you find that, let me plug the rest of my stuff in. You can follow me on Twitter at Paca underscore Flocka. Follow the Core 4 on Twitter at the Core 4 Podcast. Read Grizzly Bear Blues. We have great content. There's no other place you can find a news post as quick as us. And Nate, I think he found the tweet. Uh, uh, well, I think to properly appreciate this, we need the full context. Yeah, my so, tweet so, was so, really so, good. So, so I will do the voice of Mr. At Devin Harris 312 here, and you can do the voice of your own tweets. It's time for some role playing here. Um, okay, so essentially, this was a, a, a discussion about Dylan Brooks, and here's me as Devin Harris. <clears throat> Nah, Dylan's too busy doing non-basketball-related activities to be a part of our future. He's probably bad in the locker room, too. He proceeds to post this link to the third woman claiming Grizzlies Dylan Brooks got her pregnant and gave her an STD. And I proceed to say, because this was in my mentions, I said, a player can't be a part of the Grizzlies' future because he has sex. You really hate to see it. (laughs) (laughs) And now, me as Devin Harris... When he has STDs and is spreading them throughout the world, you don't think the players think he's bleeped up? I don't want to be near his disgusting ass. Then again, you may have an STD, which is why you see no problem with it. That is the best trolling I've ever seen. Devin, if you're listening to this, and you... (laughs) He listens to it. He listens to it because you said that Nathan has the worst voice in podcasting history. That was really good trolling right there, and I, I applaud you. That was really funny. Thank you for listening, Devin. We, we gave me a laugh you. on this we, Wednesday we, morning. We hope you find the help that you need. Damn. <laughs> Devin, just know I think you're a very funny guy. Okay. So anyway. that's about it. Follow Big Nate Chester at Pac underscore Flocka, SBN Grizzlies, the Core 4 podcast with the number four, not the word four. And um, as the great legend Anthony Davis once said, that's all, folks. (laughs) 